0: pastor, Xavier Reese, and heeding the sovereign authority of the Most High God. Jesus, who calmed the storm, was
1: about to bring calm to a very disturbed man. Jesus was face to face with a hostile man. The demons possessing the man responded to the greater authority of Jesus. He physically prostrates himself before Jesus. He falls down before him. He's not worshiping Jesus. He's submitting to a
0: greater power Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Crossing the Sea of Galilee through perilous wind and waves, the disciples were fearful because they didn't realize that God was with them in the midst of the storm. But upon reaching the shore, they were met by demons, fearful, because they knew quite well that God's presence was real, even acknowledging Him as the Son of the Most High God. Pastor Xavier recalls the encounter with the demoniac in Luke chapter 8 to remind us we can trust the simple truth that God is always in our midst. Let's listen.
1: The 12 disciples have um, witnessed the raising of the dead, the healing of many, and the deliverance of some who were demon-possessed. And Jesus is moving with a large group of people, as you know, evangelizing through the gospel, the area of Galilee, preaching the kingdom of God. Jesus just left Capernaum with his disciples to cross the Sea of Galilee, as you know, and they've encountered one of the worst storms they've ever been in. And the disciples failed the test of faith by not taking heed how they heard. Jesus had told them in Luke 18, 22, Let us cross over to the other side of the lake. Don't you care we perish? We're perishing. You didn't hear me. I said, let's get in the boat, and we're going to the other side. He didn't tell him how he was going to get there, but he said they were going to get there. We start freaking out in the middle of the trip. He said, I'm going to get there. But there's a lot of things that can happen between A and B. But if Jesus is in the boat, how can you think that you're going to perish? Now, if you're in the boat by yourself, you've got some problems. But if Jesus has put you in the boat, you can sleep like him. They failed to hear. What he said. Now they have arrived on the other side, only to encounter a demon-possessed man, which unfolds for us in a threefold movement. First, we have the confrontation by the demoniac in verse twenty-six to twenty-nine. Second, the expulsion from the demoniac in thirty to thirty-four, and thirdly, the transformation of the demoniac thirty-five to thirty-nine. The confrontation by the demoniac comes first, 26 to 29. Notice in 26, the place of the encounter is given to us. The point of departure had been the city of Capernaum, as you know. Then they sailed to the country of the Gadarenes, which is opposite Galilee. Capernaum was in the west, in the northwest uh, corner of the Sea of Galilee, and Capernaum was the land of promise. The Jews abided in the area of Galilee. The country of the gatherings was in the middle of the east side of the Sea of Galilee. The country of the gatherings was opposite, it declares here. And this was the area that was settled by the tribe of Gad. The tribe of Gad were herdsmen, cattle. And they didn't want to go into the promised land. And they asked permission to go on the other side. And Moses thought they were rebelled. No, 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 we're this man. They made the whole deal. But listen, they were the first to go into captivity in 722 to Assyria. Today, too many Christians want to see how far they can live on the edge of the promised land before being out. It's amazing what's going on today. So, if you teach the word of God, you're legalistic, you're unloving, and you're just self-righteous. Really? Wow, well, that's in good company with Paul and Jesus and the prophets. That's not bad. This was the area the the is the Ten Cities. The Gentiles were occupying that area right now. Six or seven miles inland was the city of Gadara. The journey brought them through the vicious storm, as you know. The disciples had been fearful that they were going to perish. The boat was filled with water. They woke up Jesus, and they re, he got up. He rebuked the wind, calmed the storm in the water, and then he rebuked the disciples. Where is your faith? Faith pointed him back to the revelation of God. He says, take heed how you hear Get in the boat, we're going to get to the other side. Who can this be, they said. The distance here is about eight miles going southeast from Capernaum. Jesus, who calmed the storm, was about to bring calm to a very disturbed man. Much like the woman of Samaria, Jesus said, I must needs go to Samaria. He knew a woman who needed to hear the gospel. Jesus knows this man's possessed. He needs deliverance. Look at 27. The person in the encounter is given to us. The contact with the man was immediate. Jesus disembarks on the shore of the Gadarenes, and when he had stepped down on the land, Jesus was face to face with a hostile man, as we'll see. Here it's, he's only said as a certain man. Matthew 8:27 tells us also. About this man. And Matthew informs us that there were two men that were possessed in Matthew 8, 8, and 28. Luke focuses on the one, probably the most vicious of the two. And Mark also tells us that it was an unclean spirit. So, demons and unclean spirits are identical, okay? The same thing. And they need to possess a body for whatever reason that may be. Now, notice the identity of the certain man is very detailed. He came from the city. Uh, he had demons for a long time, plural. Though we'll see that one takes the initiative to talk and then sometimes plural is included. Um, he was naked. He wore no clothes. And um, he did not live in a house but in the tombs. What a pitiful state of this man, creating the image and likeness of God. And here, he's dirty, he's just out of his mind, and he's living like an animal. The heart of Jesus goes out to him. The demons possessing the man responded to the greater authority of Jesus. He vocally raised his voice when he saw Jesus, he cried out. He physically prostrates himself before Jesus, he falls down before him. The phrase fell down before him means to fall forward. But here in the context, it's as an inferior bowing before Jesus. But certainly don't interpret this as true worship. He's a demon. There's no redemption for him. He's not worshiping Jesus. He's submitting to a greater power. And Mark 5, 6 also has the same interpretation, even though he uses the word worship. Okay? Now, the lead demon, 28 there, articulated clearly the identity of Jesus. The manner is indicated by the phrase, and with a loud voice, Meaning megaphone in the Greek. When we say megaphone literally in English, it means great intensity and loudness. And that's literally what it says. The incompatibility is stated. No, don't miss it. What have I to do with you? The supreme authority of deity was acknowledged. He has no compatibility with Jesus. Light and darkness. The superior authority, the deity, Jesus, son of the most high God. Everybody's walking around saying, well, who's this Jesus? Well, I think he's the son of, they say Joseph, but really I think a centurion got to her. Demons said, hi, Jesus, son of God, what are you doing? <laughs> the demons possessing the man revealed their submission to Jesus. Notice the demons requested of Jesus here to not punish them. I beg you. Do not torment me. So the leading demon speaks. The word beg there means to make supplication. And torment means to vex grievously and torture. You see, the demons know that there is a set time for Jesus to punish them. In fact, Matthew 8, 29 says, Have you come here to torment us before our time? There is no redemption for demons or angels. And we're going to see these are nothing but fallen angels. They will be judged and cast into the lake of fire. Uh, Many of them will be incarcerated as we'll see in the abyss in in soul. The demons in the synagogue of Capernaum earlier, if you remember, cried out, Did you come to destroy us? In Luke 4.34. And notice the reason the demons made this supplication is given. For he had commanded the unclean spirits to come out of the man. So... This is an imperative command to be obeyed, not a suggestion. Mark 5:8 confirms this, For he had said to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He's not talking to man. He's talking to the demon. Jesus was casting out demons from people constantly. In Luke 4.41 it says, And demons also came out of many, crying out and saying, You are the Christ, the Son of God. And He rebuking them did not allow them to speak, for they knew that He was the Christ. Jesus cast out seven demons from Mary Magdalene, we're told in chapter 8, verse 2. Demon possession was a common thing in that land. As people mess with idolatry, demons are behind idolatry, Paul says in Corinthians. We have a great activity of demons in our country today, as we'll see as we move on. Because of all the idolatry, all the paganism that we are going backwards into. Now notice the personal torment up to this encounter is given in 29 there. The man was enslaved by demons, for it had often seized him. The word "seize" means to catch and to lay hold of by force and carry away. The power of the man could not overcome the demons... He was helpless. God forces no one to serve him. Satan forces people. We all were under the deception of Satan, held captive to do his will until the gospel freed us. Now we see very clearly. But back then, we didn't see it. The man was also imprisoned by man. So you have the spiritual force behind the reality. Then you have the earthly force that is trying to deal and understand what's going on, but doesn't. And he was kept under guard, bound with chains and shackles. To be kept under guard means that men vigilantly watched over him, attempting to restrain him with these chains and shackles, monocles, or like handcuffs. And the reason was to protect the people. So fierce was he that no one could pass by way of the tombs. Matthew 8 28. Now Mark tells us that he ran to Jesus, the men he came on the shore, Pride to intimidate, frightened him like everybody else he did. And he bumped into a greater power, a greater authority. The man was a menace to himself, and he broke the bonds and was delivered or driven by the demons into the wilderness. The demons gave him supernatural strength to break these iron bonds. The demons tormented him with fits of insanity among the tombs of the mountains, cutting himself with stones, Mark 5, 4 through 5 says. Now there's a lot of cutting going on among young people today. Where's that coming from? Demonic. Through the things they're listening to, through the things they're learning about, the things they're messing with. Cutting. Nakedness. PCP, meth, demon activity, pharmakia. There's the use of drugs that opens doors. Demon activity, as I mentioned. Possession. The myriads of spiritual deception in books. It's incredible. It's frightening. Listen to First Timothy 4, 1 and 2. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. The confrontation by the demoniac was pitiful. broke the heart of God. Notice secondly, comes the expulsion from the demoniac. 30 to 34. In 30 and 31, the conversation of Jesus with the demon-possessed man here is given. Jesus initiates the conversation. Jesus asks him, saying, What is your name? Jesus is fully aware he's not speaking to the man, but to the demon. Jesus asks the demon his name. You see, demons are fallen angels. And for whatever reason, they need to possess a body. They're called also unclean spirits. At one time, this demon... Was an angel in heaven, serving God, prior to the rebellion of Satan in Isaiah 14 and 28. And it must be that God has given names to all the angels, because we have three of the names of the major ones. We have Gabriel, which means man of God; Michael, who is like God; and Lucifer, son of the morning, or light bearer. Daniel 8 and Luke 1 and Daniel 10 gives you those names and and, and their appearances. So they must have names also. But then the third of them rebelled. Now the Mm -hmm. demon, in response, notice, answered Jesus and he said, Legion, because many demons had entered him. Now notice the demons made a request of Jesus and they begged him, they, plural, that he would not command them to go into the abyss. The demons acknowledge their inferior and their limited authority in contrast to the ultimate authority of Jesus. Luke only mentions the abyss, by the way, uh, which is translated pit, shaft, or the bottomless pit, and it appears nine times in the New Testament. The place where demons are incarcerated, and they will be released upon the earth during the Great Tribulation. The angel with, uh, with the keys, the bottomless pit goes out and opens it, and demons come out. So you have the appearance here in uh, Romans 12:7, and the other seven are found in the book of Revelation, where uh, demons are incarcerated. Now, men and women are incarcerated in Hades. That's what used to be Sheol or Hades, the two compartments. But when Jesus descended and he destroyed the power of death, he led captivity captive, and now it became his one compartment, and it's called Hades. So when a person dies not accepting Jesus Christ, they go to Hades. They are incarcerated there until the white throne judgment. Demons, unclean spirits, are incarcerated in the shaft or the abyss or the pit. Now notice in verse 32 and 33, the demons possessing the man obeyed the commands of Jesus to leave the man. The command, remember, had been given by Jesus. The men, he stepped out of the boat. The maniac met him. And the demons, possess, they responded in vocal manifestation as well as physical prostrating themselves before him and they identify the superiority of Jesus as the son of the most high God who would one day punish them the raising of pigs here in the context provides viable vessels for demons now to possess now a herd of many swine was feeding there on the mountains Pigs are unclean animals, you know, forbidden to the Jews to raise or eat. Leviticus 11, 7, Deuteronomy 14, 8. The request by the demons, notice, to leave the man was granted by Jesus then. So they begged them that he would permit them to enter them, and he permitted them. The demons had been commanded by Jesus, and they're merely obeying. The command was given before, it's not Recorded here till afterwards. But the minute he got off, he gave it. They had to obey. So the man was delivered from his lifelong enslavement. Immediately. Instantly. Just as you and I were instantly transformed when you opened your heart and asked Christ to save you. And all of a sudden, your life was changed. All of a sudden, doubts and things that you had questions about were answered. All of a sudden, you could see life... A whole different way. Notice the transfer again is immediate. That the demons went out of the man and entered the swine. The reaction of the pig was immediate also, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the lake and drowned. They suffocated. Now the men tending the pigs here in verse thirty four were startled and they ran. When those who fed and saw what had happened, they fled and they told it in the city and in the country. I mean, you, you stop and think about it. Just before you were born again, you don't know anything about spiritual things. You've got all kinds of different, you know, suspicions and superstitions and traditions. And you, you see something like that, it freaks you out. The teaching that a believer can be demon-possessed and absolutely unbiblical. Let's get that straight. Every case in the scripture, they are non-believers. Not Christians. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Okay. First John 4, four. Light and darkness cannot occupy the same vessel. There's not one example where a believer is possessed. Now, a believer can be harassed. A believer can be oppressed. A believer can even be depressed by demons or unclean spirits for two reasons. First... Because they're meddling with occultic things and they have no business there. Are we clear on this? There are things that Christians are messing with today. They have no business going there or being there. Secondly, because they're not growing the knowledge of Christ. They're not putting the armor of God and doing good warfare. Listen to the works of the flesh. Now the works of the flesh are evident which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred. Contention, jealousy, outburst, wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like of which I tell you before I told you beforehand, just as I also told you in times past, that those who practice such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God, Galatians five, nineteen through twenty one. He involves the occult along with the regular works of the flesh. That's what they are. You gotta reckon them dead. Not go there. Put on the mind of Christ, put on the armor of God. Reckon the old man dead. But on the new man, Paul said, I say then walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. If we live in the spirit, let it also walk in the spirit. Galatians five sixteen and 25. The Lord Jesus is the ultimate authority on the teaching about demons. And he tells us himself in two passages what happens when a demon leaves an individual. They're basically almost word by word, but they're presented from two different perspectives. But let me give you the one in Matthew twelve forty three through 45. When an unclean spirit, this is Jesus speaking. When an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Then he says, I will return to my house from which I came, the man that he was in, or the woman. And when he comes, he finds it empty, swept, and put in order, then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself, and they enter and dwell there. And the last state of the man is worse than the first, so shall it be with this wicked generation, he said. Matthew 12, 43 and 45. So, the minute a person is delivered from a demon as a non-believer, the house is swept and garnished. They need to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior so that that house is occupied with light. If there is no repentance and acceptance of Jesus, a demon will come back with seven words. Are we clear on that? These are the words of Jesus. All right? The same thing is said in Luke 11, 24 through 26, but the figure of a strong man binding the weaker man is used. Okay? But the exact words. He's the greatest authority. At times, demons are associated, as we've seen, with deafness, blindness. Or other maladies. But it is absolutely wrong and unbiblical for you to identify and indicate that every case of illness or blindness or deafness is demonic. Are we clear on that? Alright? It's not so. The ones that are indicating scripture were. Doesn't mean all of them are. Demons are no joke. Listen Acts nineteen, fourteen through seventeen, as Paul had been casting out demons, it says also there were seven sons of Sceba, a Jewish chief priest who did so, and the evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaked on them and overpowered them and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded and this became known both to all the Jews and the Greeks dwelling in Ephesus, and fear fell on them all, and the name of the Lord Jesus Christ was magnified. Acts 1914 17. This goes on in other countries all the time. This is going on more and more here. But of course, we're so sophisticated, we're so intelligent, those things don't happen. In fact, there's even a, a, a very friendly attitude towards the occult, to the spirits, to spirit guides and everything today. Within the church, the expulsion of the demoniac was
0: inevitable.
1: Jesus was there.
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and the calming simple truths of the sovereignty of God on display with today's study of Luke chapter 8. And you can hear this message again anytime online by simply selecting today's date at the radio listings link you'll find at CalvaryChapelPasadena.com. But there's still much more to come right here next time as well. However, if your schedule won't permit you to tune in, you can always pick up your own copy of this message. And the title to ask for is The Demoniac Set Free. It's available on CD for only $4. And make sure you pass on this study to someone in your church or Bible study. Once again, the title to ask for is The Demoniac is Set Free, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time for more Simple Truths.